0: Well, let's go to First John. I'm going to try my best not to uh, not to keep you too long tonight, but I do have some things from First John, chapter three, that I want to share with you. You know, all uh, the Word of God is so awesome, and uh, all Scripture is is the Bible says is given by uh, inspiration of God, and is profitable for us to us for doctrine, reproof, correction, and all that. Um, and so all, all scripture is wonderful and it's great, but I'll tell you what, there are some passages in the Bible that are just extra special and, uh, that, that just, I don't know, just turn me on a little more than others. But, uh, this is one of those passages here in first John chapter three, because I'm going to read three verses to you tonight that are just packed with the truth of the Word of God and uh, full of truth. I mean, we have everything in these three verses uh, from salvation to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's read uh, from First John chapter number 3 and verse number 1. John says this, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. Therefore the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, now are we children of God, and it, does not, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure as i said in those verses we have everything from the from the plan of salvation from our born-again experience to the second coming of the lord jesus christ and um, you know the day that we're living in today i think everybody agrees is a time of uncertainty but in these verses of scripture we have a hope of the future and uh, I think we can be assured and rest assured uh, from the word of God that folks there are better days ahead. And we don't know exactly what <clears throat> is lying ahead, but we do know for the believer, for the child of God that better days are ahead. I firmly and truly believe that the coming of the Lord, it's closer it's so close of course it's we're nearer to the coming of the lord than we have ever been in any time in history and uh, the time today is r- just right for the rapture of the church we're in that position it's just right the time is right for the for the lord to come and take the church out for the arrival of the Antichrist to come on the scene. Ladies and gentlemen, you know what? We are, we've talked about it, you know, for years. And ever since I've been a Christian, we've talked about the rapture and I've heard it preached. You've heard it preached. I've preached it, you know, that the Lord's coming. And uh, so many times people will say, yeah, you know, I've heard that all my life and we haven't seen it yet. And that's just another sign that we're living those last days. Peter said that there would be scoffers and mockers that would come in the last days. saying, where's the promise of his coming? All things have, are continuing as they were since the fathers fell asleep. I mean, nothing's changed. We've heard this all of our life. But I want, I want you to listen to me tonight, folks. We are, I sense it in my spirit. And I believe, I believe that every true born again child of God senses in our spirit that we're we're nearing that time when the trump of God's gonna sound and we're we're coming out of here. We're getting out of here. Uh, you know, everything's being set up, and I mentioned this in the message this morning that everything is is falling in place and being set up for the Antichrist to come in with his system. You know, John said there in in that second chapter over in verse 18 in 1 John 2 and 18, he said, Little children, it is the last hour, and this is in, in the New King James, it says the last hour. Folks, listen, it is the last hour. We've been in the last days uh, for two th- some 2,000 years. Peter, Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, and, um, and, and he quoted Joel's prophecy that what was taking place on the day of Pentecost, with the birth of the church and the believers, those one hundred and twenty being baptized in the Holy Spirit, he said, "This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh." So the last days commenced at that you know at the at that very at that very moment there in Acts chapter two. So we have been in the last days for some two thousand years. We're we're beyond being in the last days, we're in the last hours, we're in the last moments of this age, of this church age. And John said that, he said, you've heard, uh, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, and even now many many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So you can see today, we see the, the system of the Antichrist, being, um, being, being brought in, I mean, um, the things that we're hearing and seeing today is a precursor of what's going to take place in the uh, tribulation period, during the great tribulation period. We're not in that tribulation period as of right now. Some people think that we are saying that we are, listen, this is a cakewalk compared to what's going to take place during the uh, tribulation period. And uh, so, you know, we're not there yet. What we're in, what we're experiencing right now are the birth pangs, the, beginning, the beginnings of sorrows that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24 and, and uh, Mark 13, Luke 21, where Jesus talked about the, the things that were coming, the famines, pestilence, earthquakes in diverse places. He said these were the beginning of sorrow. So we're experiencing that now. And we are in the last hours. And so John addresses the last days here. He addresses the coming of the Lord here. And, um, and I want you to notice what he says in that, in that first verse of chapter 3. He says, Behold. John bursts out in excitement when he, when he begins to, to pin these words. He's, he says, he uses this word, Behold. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. He uses that word behold, which is a, it's a sharp uh, command. He's commanding us, hey, pay attention to what I'm getting ready to say. And then he says, he says, what manner of love? He said, I want you to behold and to look at, to think about what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That that word that phrase what manner of in the Greek text it literally means from what country or something that's not of this world something that's out of this world you know when you when you we use we've used that terminology when we think of something that's just uh, you know just great and wonderful. I don't know, maybe we used it in my day and we don't use it much anymore, but you know, we'd say, man, that's just out of this world. Well, that's basically what John was saying here. He was saying, behold, what manner of love, a love that is just out of this world, a love that is not known on this planet, that that comes from God, that comes from the throne of God. What manner of love that the Father has bestowed upon us, and here it is, that we should be called the children of God. Amen. That we should be called the children of God. And not just called the children of God, but we actually are the children of God. He said in verse 2, he said, but beloved, now we are the children of God. This is not something that's... Going to take place in the future. Listen, if you're saved tonight, everyone who's made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, been born again, you are a child of God. We are children of Almighty God. You need to let that sink in just a little bit. The fact that you, uh, if you're saved this evening, that you are a child of the King. Uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're a child of Almighty God. I'm telling you what, what an honor, what a privilege that is. Not being the child, not, not the child of the President of the United States, not the child of a millionaire or a billionaire, but a child of Almighty God, sons and daughters of Almighty God. And ladies and gentlemen, listen to me. That is your position right now, today, in Jesus Christ. Not something that's going to happen in the future, but that's what we have and experience right now. And it took place the very moment that you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I know we hear it said a lot, you know, that God is everybody's father and that That we're all, everybody, our sons and daughters of God, everybody's children of God. The whole world is God's children, and he's the father of all of us. But that's not true. Uh, God is only the father of those who have made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life. Everyone that's outside of Christ are sons of Adam's fallen race. But thank God you can make Jesus the Lord of your life and be born again and be saved and become a child of God. Uh, John said this, the writer of 3rd John also wrote the gospel of John, and he said in John 1 and 12, but as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Paul said it this way in Romans chapter 8, verses 15 and 16, he said, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit, listen, that we are the children of God. How do you know you're a child of God? Because you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he has placed his spirit in your, in your heart and in your life and the spirit of god in you bears witness praise god his spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a son a daughter of god he said we've been we've been given we have received the spirit of adoption we've been adopted glory to god adopted into the family of god and he said he said, we now can cry out, and, and our heart cries out, Abba, Father. That word Abba, and we, we've talked about that before, but it's the same term that Jesus used in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was praying there, and he, he, he used that phrase Abba, Father, and that word Abba is an Aramaic word, and um, it's, it's a term of endearment, and actually Abba means daddy or papa, and we, we don't use that in a, uh, in an, inter, in an irreverent way at all, but it's showing, um, how close that we are to our heavenly father and how much he loves us and cares for us. Praise God. I thank God that I'm in his family. God's my father. Jesus is our elder brother. We're heirs of God, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ and we're on our way to heaven tonight. Praise God. I don't know about you. That, that, that excites me. That makes me happy to know that I'm a part of the family of God. I mentioned it this morning in the preliminaries in the service this morning. When Jesus told those, uh, those 70 that came back, he said, don't rejoice because the demons are subject to you, but rejoice Because your name's written down in heaven. Well, praise God. Right in the middle of a pandemic, we are to be able to rejoice because we know that we now are the sons and daughters of God. We're children of God. Praise the Lord. That's enough to make you want to shout tonight. When you think about being a child of God, and what John says here, that that the Father, the, the, the great love that the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. When you think about that, you know, as a, when you think about a father, uh, a father is responsible to provide for his children. Isn't that right? I mean, if, you know, if you, if a father today in our culture today refuses or fails to provide for his children, for his family, uh, well, you know, he can get in some serious trouble. Amen? But uh, so, so we know that a father's responsibility is to provide for his family. Well, I believe that uh, as a child of God, that God, God, the Father, has a responsibility to you and I as his children to provide for us. How many of y'all know that God, listen, God's not a deadbeat dad. God is going to provide for his own. The Father God, I believe, and I don't believe I'm making a wrong statement here, but I believe that God is obligated. He's actually, he is obligated himself to take care of me and to take care of you. If you belong to him and you're his child, he is obligated to take care of you. Amen. Um, Jesus said basically that very thing in, in Matthew chapter number 6, in verse 26, when he was talking about, Jesus was talking about not, not worrying about what we're going to eat or drink and uh, all of the necessities of life. He said the, the Gentiles seek after all these things. Um, but, but he said in Matthew 6 26, he said, he said, listen, he said, look at the birds of the air. He said, they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns. But notice what he said, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you, speaking of, of, of God's children, are you not of more value than they? Aren't you of more value to God and in the eyes of God than than the birds of the air? Well, absolutely, of course you are. Jesus was saying here, what farmer would there be? And I, I just this is this is basically what he's saying. If you get this picture, he's saying, what farmer would go out and feed his chickens and then let his let his children starve to death? Well, not any in in their right mind would do that. What person would go out and build birdhouses in their backyard and go buy bird seed and make sure the birds are fed, but then they wouldn't even put put food on the table for their kids? Well, nobody's going to do that. I mean, not in their right mind, not a true loving father. Well, if you and I, being evil, know how to take care of our family and provide, will provide for our family, Praise God. Jesus, or the Apostle Paul said that if a person, if a if an individual didn't provide for his own family, that he had denied the faith and was worse than an infidel. So if we are expected to provide for our kids in which we do, I mean, you know how you are, parents. You'll go without to make sure your kids have something. Well, can I tell you what? Our Heavenly Father makes sure that we are provided for. He makes sure that we are taken care of. Amen. He is going to take care of you. Somebody said, uh, you know, somebody said, well, you know, I don't know why, why doesn't God, if He's my Father and He loves me so much and He wants me to be blessed and He wants me to, to be taken care of, why doesn't God just fill up my bank account? Well, you know, I tell you, listen, would you, rather have a, would you rather have a warehouse full of bread or would you rather have a father who owns a bakery? You know, the warehouse, the warehouse if you got a warehouse full of bread, that bread can go stale. But if you got a father that owns the bakery, praise God, he's going to be providing fresh bread for you every single day, man. I'm about ready to get up and shout, praise the Lord, hallelujah! Every day, God provides for His people. He's our, He is our heavenly Father, hallelujah. And there's a supply for your life for our life from our father. And he, you know what? He just wants you to trust him. He wants you to believe that. He just he don't want us to worry and fret and be all worked up about 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 our our needs. He wants us just to lean on him and trust him and say, "You are my father. I'm your child, and I believe you're going to take care of me." Amen. Praise God. Give us this day. That's what Jesus said for us to pray. Give us Father, give us this day our daily bread. He wasn't telling us to to be concerned about bread for next week or next month or next year. But he said, God will provide what you need for the very day that you need it. Amen. I think about that. I think about the manna, you know, when the manna, when God provided the manna for the children of Israel, they weren't to go out in the morning and collect a week's worth of manna. They went out every morning. As a matter of fact, if they if they collected more than one day at a time, you remember what happened to it. The Bible said that it would breed worms and it would stink, and uh, it would it would spoil on them. God told them to go out every morning and that He would send the manna fresh every morning. Can I tell you, ladies and gentlemen? that God's blessings are fresh in your life every morning. He's your father. He loves you. He wants to supply your needs, and he is obligated, has obligated himself. Amen. When he adopted you into his family, he obligated himself as your father to take care of you and to provide for you. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again tonight. Don't, Don't want to be repetitious, but Uh, I'm reminded of what David said when he said, I have been young and now I'm old and I have not seen ever seen the righteous forsaken, nor God's seed begging bread. Praise the Lord. God's children will always be provided for. That is praise God. That's our, that's our, our dignity today. That's where we're at. That's where God has placed us. He's made us his children. Amen. He's made us children of God. Hallelujah. Now, but notice what what John goes on to say in verse number two. He says this, beloved, now are we the children of God. And then he says, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He said it hasn't, Yet, been it's not been revealed what we shall be. We know what we are right now, we know who we are right now. We're children of God, but uh, we don't know everything. You ever, you have you ever, have you ever run into anybody? I'm sure you haven't ever ran into anybody or known anybody that knows it all, that knows everything, that knows. (laughs) knows a little something about everything amen well you know what there are things nobody has all the answers nobody knows everything and I can tell you that we can be assured tonight that there are things about the future that we just don't know that old song that says I don't know about tomorrow I just live from day to day amen but and that's the way we are amen I don't know Uh, About tomorrow, but I know who I I know who holds my hand. I know who's leading me and taking care of me. So um, we don't know everything about the future. Jesus even made that statement, and he said, "I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now." He said that to his disciples. He said there was things he didn't couldn't reveal to them at that time. When Daniel wrote, God gave Daniel the prophecies in the book of Daniel. And at the end of the book of Daniel, he said Daniel sealed the book until the time of the end. So there was a, a, there was there was things in that book that were not were not understood or were not known until the time of the end, and, the, and a lot of now of the book of Daniel is being revealed to us, and we're seeing it unfold before our eyes. But there's a lot of things that we just don't know about the future. When people talk about heaven, and we talk about Uh, the rapture of the church, and we talk about the resurrection, and we talk about the resurrection body. What will we be like uh, in the resurrection? What will we look like in heaven? And, you know, the the Bible gives us some hints, and the Bible gives us some clues, and the Bible talks a little bit about, you know, about those things, the resurrection and and how we're going to be, what we're going to be like, but nobody knows exactly for sure. And that's what John says here. He says, uh, it's not yet been revealed what we shall be. So it's not been revealed exactly what we shall be. I've had people, and you have too, probably ask the question, well, Brother Rick, you know, uh, will we know one another in heaven? When we get to heaven, will I know you? Well, you know what kind of a place? Just stop and think about that a minute. Um, If I ran into you at Walmart, would you know me? Amen. If I ran into you at Lowe's, would you know me? And I mentioned those two places because those seem to be the only two places anybody can go anymore, but we'll leave that there. Uh, But would you know me? Would you know me there? Well, of course. Well, what kind of a place would heaven be if you got to heaven and you didn't know anybody? Praise God. I mean, we're going to receive a body, uh, a glorified body, uh, that's going to be, that we're going to, we're going to look a lot like uh, that we do now. I mean, we're going to know, we will know one another in heaven. And um, we, we don't know for sure everything about the resurrection body. Paul talks about it in in 1 in, uh, Corinthians chapter 15, that'd be a good chapter for you to read and study. He talks about the resurrection body there. But there's one thing that we do know. And uh, John said, it's not been revealed what we shall be like. But there's one thing that he said that we do know. We do know that we will be like Jesus. Well, praise God. We do know that because he said, we shall be like Jesus him, for we shall see him as he is. Glory to God. I don't know what exactly that resurrection body is going to be like, but it's going to be just like the resurrection body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is in heaven right now in the same body that, uh, that he came out of the tomb with, that he, that he, that he rose with, an immortal resurrected body. And uh, that same immortality, immortal body is the glorified body that the saints of God are going to receive as well. So we know that we're going to be like him because we're going to see him as he is. Listen, there's some things here in this text that we know for sure, that we know for certain, that there's not any guesswork about. I don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. Nobody has all the answers, but there are some things here that we do know. And number one is we do know that Jesus Christ is coming back to this earth again. John said that John said that here, that when he, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. When he shall appear or when he shall be revealed. He didn't say if he appears. He didn't say, uh, you know, he might appear. But John said that Jesus is going to appear. And ladies and gentlemen, I can assure you of this tonight, getting back to what I said at the beginning of this lesson. I can assure you tonight that the Lord Jesus Christ is standing in the wings. He's getting ready to step back on the stage of of human history. He's getting ready to come back to this earth again. He's getting ready to come back for His church again praise God, we can count on that. He is coming again. That is something that we know beyond a shadow of a a doubt. When Jesus ascended from Mount Olivet um, after the 40 days of appearing to to certain ones after his resurrection, uh, he ascended and there were two angels there that were by his side as Jesus ascended. And those people that were standing at Mount Olivet looking up and watching Jesus ascend to heaven, those angels said, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus, praise God, not another one, not one like him, but this same Jesus that you see ascending and going into heaven shall so come again in like manner as you see him go away. Ladies and gentlemen, he's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. I don't care what the naysayers have to say. I don't care what the agnostics have to say. I don't care what the backslidden church members have to say. Jesus Christ has promised to come back again, and he is coming back again. I'm going to see him when he comes. Can you say, man, out there, somebody? Praise God. Amen. That is exciting stuff. He's coming again. That we know. Not only is he coming again, but, but but we do know this, that when he does come, we're going to see him as he is. That's what John said here, that when he is revealed or when he appears, we shall see him as he is. Glory to God. We shall see him as he is now. We won't see him as he was. He's not coming back as he was, um, crowned with thorns, whipped and beaten and mocked and ostracized and demoralized. He's not coming back like that. But when He comes back, we're going to see Him as He is. He's coming in all of His glory. He's coming in all of His splendor. He's coming in all of His power. Hallelujah! With great power and glory, with the angels of God coming with Him. Hallelujah! In all the glory that He had before, with the Father before He came to this earth, He's coming back with all that power and that glory. And you and I are going to see him in all of his glory. That's something to look forward to, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I say, you know, we don't know all of what's going to take place in the future, but there's a hope out there. There's good days that are yet ahead. I don't know what's going to happen on this planet. Uh, Well, I do after the, in the tribulation and things, I don't know in the near future what's coming to America, to this nation, but I do know for a fact that Jesus is coming and for the believer, for the child of God, there's a good future to look to. There's a good outlook. Praise God. The Lord is coming back for His church and for His people. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The greatest thing about heaven, ladies and gentlemen, when you get to thinking about heaven... Man, I'm telling you, what a place that's going to be that Jesus has gone to prepare for us. He said, I, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go away and prepare a place, what he say? I'm coming again. I'll come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. When you think about heaven and the beauties of heaven and the mansions of heaven and the golden streets and the gates of Pearl and the walls of Jasper, and you think about all of our loved ones and our, and our family members that have all, already stepped into that glory world. Praise God. But you know, you think about how great heaven's going to be, but the greatest thing about heaven, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest thing about heaven is not going to be the streets of gold. It's not going to be the gates of pearl. It's not going to be the crystal river or the mansions or the angel choir singing. And it's not even going to be the greatest thing's not even going to be that we're going to be reunited with our loved ones and our family, even though that is going to be so awesome. But the greatest thing about heaven is going to be the fact that we will see Jesus. We will behold the Lord Jesus Christ in all of his glory. Hallelujah. In his immortality. And His in his power. For, for John said, we shall see him as he is praise the Lord. I can't wait. I don't know about you. I can't wait to see him. He's coming back and we're going to see him but that's 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 not all. You know what he said there? Not only are we going to see him as he is, but he went on to say that we will be like him. We will be like him. Praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ dwells in such light and glory. Let me read a couple of verses to you from first Timothy chapter six. Amen. Uh, we got a few minutes here. First Timothy chapter six, verse 14 through 16 says, says this, that you keep this commandment. This is Paul writing to, uh, Timothy says that you keep this commandment without spot and blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. Now, he's got his own time. God's already got the calendar mark, folks, and the devil can't do nothing about it. The devil can't stop it. The Antichrist can't stop it. Amen. He is coming back. He will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. Verse 16, who alone, speaking of Jesus, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unappro- unapproachable light. Notice that. In him, Jesus, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, or uh, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that in his glorified state on the throne in, at the right hand of God, that the Lord Jesus Christ dwells in such light and glory that we cannot we cannot approach to that glory in these uh, in these mortal bodies in these flesh and blood mortal bodies that we could not see him and behold him in this body. He said he's in that dwelling in that unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. So, uh, he's telling us there that if we're going to see him, if John says we're going to see him as he is, and we can't approach him in these bodies and see him as he is, that means that we're going to have to be like him to be able to see him as he is and get a different body, a glorified body. If we're going to see him as he is, then we're going to have to be like him and made like him. Well, praise God. You know what? That just excites me to know that God God's got a plan when he redeemed us, when the Lord paid the price for our redemption, he didn't just redeem part of us. He paid the price for the redemption of our, of our, of our souls, our spirits. But he also paid the price for the redemption of this body. This body isn't redeemed yet. But praise God, the price for that redemption has been paid, and this body is going to be redeemed, a redeemed body, a body fashioned like, as Paul said in Philippians, fashioned like unto his glorious body. Praise God, a body that will never grow old. A body, praise God, that will never know what it is to be sick. A body that will never know what it is to be tired or weary. Praise God. A body just like a glorified immortal body, just like the Lord Jesus Christ has. Amen. We shall be, John said, we shall be like him and we shall see him as he is is in all of his glory oh ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something you say well yeah that's way off in the distant future well I'm going to tell you what it could be a lot closer than what you think praise God we think about the rapture and we we long for the rapture but it's going to take place very soon and we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord and be in his presence amen I love what David said David said in Psalm 17, 15, he said, as for me, I will see his face in righteousness. I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awaken your likeness. So David had a glimpse from God. He had a little insight. He had a little revelation from the Lord that uh, about the glorified body he didn't understand it but he was speaking under the inspiration of the holy spirit no we don't know what that resurrection body will be like but i'm going to tell you you're going to like it you're going to be satisfied with it it's going to be in his likeness and that's what david was saying there i'm going to be satisfied when i awaken his likeness thank god praise God. I'll be satisfied when, when I'm there in his presence, when you're there with him, hallelujah, when your soul is singing in that promised land above, then we're going to be satisfied. Well, glory be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, let me bring this, let me bring this to an end because we've talked about the dignity, the dignity of the believer and the destiny of the believer. The destiny is Jesus is coming back for us. We've got a good destiny. I hear people preaching all the time about about your destiny, changing your destiny and all of that. But I'm going to tell you, this is our destiny, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus is coming back to rapture us out of here and to give us a body like his. But then last of all is the duty of the believer. And in verse 3, John says this, And everyone who has this hope, what hope is that? The hope we just talked about here. The hope that John just talked about, about Jesus coming and about uh, about us being made like him. And he said, everyone, that's you, me, that's every born-again believer who has this hope in him, purifies himself just as he is pure. Here's the duty that you and I have in view of the coming of the Lord. Uh, this is what the Lord says for us to do. Do you know that if we really believe in the rapture, if we really believe that the Lord is coming and we really believe that He could come for us at any moment, at any time, we believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He could come for His church or come for us individually at any moment, at any time. And if you believe that, the coming of the Lord should affect Your life and the way that you live. Sometimes we think about that and we look how uh, at people's lifestyles. People that claim to be Christians or say that they love the Lord or say that they're saved, and then you look at their lifestyle and and it's not very pure and it's not very clean. And um, there's not a lot of evidence that they really have been born again. But if you really believe Jesus is coming and that He could come for us at any moment, that should affect the way you live. And that's what John is saying here, that if we have that hope in Him, that we should purify ourselves, even as He, as the Lord Jesus, is pure. That word hope, he said, said, this is the hope we have, and that word hope means an absolute certainty that's mingled with anticipation. It's an absolute certainty that's mingled with anticipation. It's, it's a desire, a longing for something. You know, when, you, when you're hoping for something, hope is always in the future, but it's a, it's a, it's a guaranteed, it's an absolute certain thing, but, it's, but it's, you're looking to the future in hope with an anticipation of that event taking place. That's the way that it is with the coming of the Lord. It's a longing for His coming. It's a glad anticipation that says, I can hardly wait for the coming of the Lord, to see Jesus. Amen? Paul said in Philippians 3 and 20 that our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that. He said we're eagerly waiting for the Lord. You know, there's so many so many churches, not, not even preaching about the coming of the Lord anymore. Churches and pastors not even preaching anything uh, regarding Bible prophecy or are the are the just the basics of Bible prophecy anymore. And people have have come to the place where they where they say, well, the Lord's delaying his coming. Listen, folks, don't fall asleep spiritually. Don't get to that place where you think the coming of the Lord's well. He's coming soon. We don't know the day or the hour but we know that the lord is coming soon and so we should be in eagerly awaiting and anticipating his coming we should be living for his coming. Did you hear me? We should be longing for his coming. We should love his coming. Paul said there's a crown of righteousness laid up for all those who love his appearing. We should be loving his appearing, longing for his appearing, uh, and living for his appearing. It should affect the way that we live. If we have this hope that Jesus is coming, it should cause us to live a different life, to purify ourselves, to, to, to be set apart to God, and to make sure that our lives are the way they need to be for Him. John said in 1 John 2, 28, he said this, Little children abide in Him, that when He appears, he's talking to the church here, that when He, Jesus, appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him and His coming. Listen, I don't want to be ashamed when the Lord comes. I don't want to be ashamed of my life uh, or something that I'm doing. Are you ready? Are you truly ready for Jesus to come today? Is your heart pure before God? The only way to make your heart pure is to have it washed in the blood of Jesus, to turn your life over to Him, to repent of your sins, and let Jesus forgive you and cleanse you. But is there, is there purity in your life? Or is there some uh, is there some vile habit or unclean thing that you may have in your life that would cause you to be ashamed at his coming? Is there is there some uh, maybe some filth in your video library or in your music library that you need to clean out and that you need to get out? Boy, I tell you, I've done stop. I've stopped preaching and went to meddling now, hadn't I? But uh, you know what I'm talking about. That's what John is talking about here. He's talking about purifying our life, being pure as Jesus is pure. Amen. Maybe there's some some beverages in your refrigerator that shouldn't be there that you need to dump down the sink or throw out in the garbage. Amen. And uh, clean our lives up. I'm talking about being ready for the coming of the Lord. I want to see him. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace. Praise God. And I think you do too. And so, you know, we just got to believe what the Bible says. I'm not, I'm not teaching you some kind of fairy tale tonight. I'm, I'm giving to you what the word of God says. And John, the apostle John said, if we have the hope of the coming of the Lord, that that blessed hope should cause us to purify our lives, to to set things aside, to get things out of our life that are not pleasing to the Lord. Listen to me tonight, saints. If you knew that Jesus was coming tonight, you know, I don't know what time uh, of day or night he's coming. We talk about the midnight hour, you know, the virgins, the cry went out with the 10 virgins that the bridegroom was coming. The cry went out at midnight. I'm not saying that he's coming at midnight on the, on the, uh, on the clock. But, uh, if you knew that the Lord, if we knew for sure that the Lord was coming tonight uh, that the rapture would take place before we woke up in the morning, or if the Lord just came to call you home, And you didn't wake up. You didn't wake up in the morning. None of us have that promise of tomorrow. So what about that? If you knew he was coming, if you knew he was coming for you, if the rapture was taking place, you have that hope in him. Is there any lifestyle changes that you would make? You know, I preached this morning about about Isaiah seeing himself and seeing the holiness of God. And when he saw God in his holiness, he, he cried out, Woe is me, for I am undone. And i do I do think and believe that it's a time of introspection for us uh, as, as as children of God no we're not, we're not under condemnation, we're in Christ Jesus, we're in him, we're not condemned, but God is calling us His people to be prepared and to be ready for the coming of the Lord, for the rapture of the church. If we have this hope in him, we need to make sure that our lives have been purified. It's a it's a purifying hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says for us to cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I tell you what. I I the longer I live, uh, the longer I live for the Lord. The more that I see going on in this world, the the more that I come to understand that, that the very best thing that could happen for us is for the trumpet of God to sound and the Lord to call us home. No, I'm not. Listen, I'm not preaching escape escapism or some escape escape theology that says well it's just too rough a road and uh, the Lord needs to take us out of here no he gives us grace every day to live for him but uh, I do know that Jesus said for us to watch and pray always that we may be counted worthy to escape the things that are coming on the face of this earth and to stand before the son of man I want to see Jesus. I'm, I'm ready for the Lord to come. And we, we, need to, we need to make sure that our hearts are where they need to be with the Lord. Paul said it this way, and here it is, and I'll close with this. Paul said it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we who are alive, we who are alive, he was expecting the Lord to come in his day. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. Praise God in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Somebody said, Brother Ricky, don't you know the word rapture is not even in the Bible? No, but I tell you what, the word caught up is, and that's where we get that word rapture from. Paul said that we that are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet the Lord caught up with those dead that are be resurrected. We'll be changed, he said in 1 Corinthians in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. Hallelujah, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This mortal shall put on immortality and this corruptible will put on incorruption. Hallelujah, and death Glory to God will be swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? Ladies and gentlemen, as children of God, as the body of Christ, we have a bright future ahead. It does not appear what we shall be. Yet it's not been revealed, but we know that we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Praise God. I'm looking forward to the coming of the Lord. Listen, live every moment, live every hour, live every minute as if Jesus uh, would come at that very moment, as the trump of God could sound at that very moment, because it very well could. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. You don't want to be left behind. You don't want to miss the coming of the Lord. There's a terrible tribulation that's coming after the rapture. And like I said earlier, this what we've seen here in these past few weeks is just a cakewalk. It's nothing compared to what's coming on this earth. Jesus said tribulation is coming that's going to be worse than any that's ever been ever or ever will be. I don't want to be here for that and you don't want to be here for that and, and we don't have to be here for that because God's not appointed His church, His people to wrath, but to escape through the coming of the Lord. The Rapture of the Church. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you tonight. Uh, I hope that you've learned something. I didn't really. I don't think teach anything that uh, that's uh, anything new. I always say this: if it's new, it's not true. Amen. So, uh, but what I just wanted to refresh you in some things of the Lord Jesus and of the Word of God, and and uh, you know, Paul said concerning the Rapture, he said, "Wherefore comfort one another with these words." So I want this to be a comfort to you. Uh, I want it to be a uh, a time of uh, of uh, encouragement to you. And uh, let's just make sure that, that we're where we need to be with Jesus, looking for Him and listening for that Trump. Okay? God bless you. You all have a great, wonderful week this week. And uh, I'll be back here with you at 7 o'clock on Wednesday.